Psalm 119, and we're going to read three sections, verse 89 through verses 112. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your, your, your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, this morning as we hear this word and consider it, I pray for your help, your spirit would come. Lord, I pray that you would be doing a work in our hearts, that our testimony would resemble the testimony of the psalmist here, that we would confess how we love your law, that we would confess that we belong to you, that we would confess that your testimonies, your word written is truly our heritage forever, that they are the joy of our heart. I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Are we alone in the universe? Is our planet the only planet with intelligent life in a galaxy where there are believed to be over a trillion planets. Well, there are many scientists who believe that with those odds, that there must be intelligent life somewhere else, even many more places throughout our vast galaxy. 45 years ago, these scientists began what's now known as the Listening Project. They founded a research organization known as SETI, S-E-T-I, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And they have spent millions of dollars to set up huge radio telescopes pointed to the heavens 
And for 45 years, they have been listening. They've been listening for radio signals throughout the galaxy. They've only been able to cover a small portion of our galaxy since our galaxy is so massive. But in 45 years, they have not yet heard anything which would indicate intelligent life is out there. Now, part of their motivation for doing this is that they hope if we can make contact with an alien civilization, maybe we could learn something from them which would help to solve the great problems that we are dealing with in our human society on Earth. Maybe there is life out there, and maybe they could show us or teach us how to live better. Maybe, maybe even how to overcome death. Maybe if we were able to hear a word from the heavens, we could be saved. This past July, uh, SETI reported that still no extraterrestrial radio emissions have been detected. And as, as one other SETI scientist put it years ago, we are still experiencing the pangs of cosmic loneliness. No, never mind coming for a visit, no extraterrestrial being has even left a calling card or shouted at us from a distance. But not hearing anything has definitely not deterred the SETI scientists. They continue to receive funds and they continue to spend millions of dollars each year listening for a word of communication from the heavens. Well, we have gathered here in this place this morning because we believe that we have received a word from beyond the heavens. Indeed, a word from heaven itself. We are proclaiming to a world who longs for help from extraterrestrial intelligent life that God has spoken to us. He has given us words from heaven, which will indeed help us to overcome the most difficult problems that we have. He has given us words which will help us to overcome death. Words which will lead us to life and indeed everlasting life. If we would just listen and believe. At the very beginning of the book of Hebrews, God's word says there in verse one, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We are not alone in the universe. We have received communication from beyond the heavens. In fact, divine communication spoken to us through God's prophets, through God's apostles, through his son whom he sent into the world. And if we would but listen and believe, we could know his way for living in this world and we could know the way of salvation through the words of eternal life that he has given to us. So our main theme from this passage this morning God has spoken in the scriptures. He has spoken. Therefore, we would be wise to listen and have our lives guided by his word. 
by what he says. Our uh, Evangelical Free Church of America statement of faith has, uh, I believe, one of the strongest statements on the Bible that I have seen. I'm very grateful for this statement in Article 2 on the Bible. It says, we believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors, as the verbally inspired Word of God. The Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation, the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Next week, Lord willing, we'll we'll focus on the statements uh, that it has on the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture and how it really is the complete and sufficient revelation of God and his way for salvation for us. Today, we'll look at the reality that God has indeed spoken. Since the Bible is his word, it holds divine authority over us. Since the Bible is God's writ, writ, written word, we would be foolish not to pay attention to what he says. We, we, we will do that this morning by focusing on a few verses from the longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, and this is a remarkable psalm. It's incredibly well-crafted to include 22 different sections or stanzas, a stanza for each of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Each stanza in the psalm contains eight verses, and each verse in the stanza begins with the Hebrew letter that the stanza corresponds to, which is remarkable. Think about writing eight sentences, eight statements always beginning that sentence with the same letter. And he did that for all the letters in the Hebrew alphabet here. So as we uh, uh, take a look at this this, uh, great passage, this uh, great psalm, we're we're, we're just kind of jumping right in the middle of it. Um, Each of the 168 verses um, in Psalm 119 refers to some aspect of the scriptures. It's a psalm praising God for his word, which we call the Bible. It's, it's a wonderful meditation on what a privilege it is for us to have words from heaven. And we're going to look at each stanza in turn under, under three headings this morning. The first one covering verse 89 through 96. There are no words more trustworthy and reliable than what we find in the scriptures. No words more trustworthy and reliable than what we find in the scriptures. Look here at this, at this uh, passage here, this stanza. Notice that the first word there in verse 89 is forever, referring to the word of the Lord. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your translation might say eternal, but it has the same meaning. God's word is set. God's word is lasting, enduring. It has not changed and will never change. It is reliable. It is constant more sure than hearing the sound of thunder after you see a lightning flash. God's word will always be be firmly fixed in the heavens. The scriptures are not a human invention. They do not originate with man. The scriptures are the revelation of God from God who is in heaven. Back in Genesis chapter 1, we find the revelation of God in the scriptures begin with a divine speech act. 
Genesis 1, verse 3 reads, and God said, let there be light. A speech act. The, the prophet Moses there he reveals to us that God is a God who speaks and his word has divine power and authority to accomplish exactly what he declares. The God who created the heavens and the earth and humanity is a God who speaks. And in his speaking, he reveals who he is and what his will is for humanity. And his will is something that is unchanging because God himself is unchanging. So look at the other words that are used to describe the scriptures here in this verse. Forever, firmly fixed there in verse 89. Verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. And then comparing God's faithful word to the earth, it stands fast. And then another stand in verse 91. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. When we read God's word in the scriptures, we can be confident that, that, that what we are reading is sure. It's not something that will, will, will no longer be applicable to our world when our culture changes again. It will stand. It will not be changed. It will not lose its significance or its authority. It is firmly fixed. Five years ago, about five years ago, uh, not long after Greta and I first moved here to Nebraska, we went to the courthouse to get our Nebraska driver's licenses. And we filled out uh, the paperwork that they gave us to fill out. We provided the sources of identification that we were aware we had to to have. And, And then the person at the DMV behind the table looked at my Iowa driver's license and told me that I would actually need one other piece of identification before they could issue me a driver's license. He said that they would also have to see my birth certificate. I thought that was a little strange and unnecessary because, I mean, I had, I had my Iowa driver's license. It wasn't expired. It was an official state document which identified who I was And in all my years of renewing my driver's license, I had never had to show my birth certificate when I got my my, my license. The only time I had to do that was when I got my first one. So I was a little bit confused. You know, why was this happening? Why did I have to, to show this? Well, of course, he explained to me, the law had changed. The law had changed since I'd gotten my license, and now I needed to have a special star on my driver's license in order to be accepted as official identification in other states. And since my driver's license had been issued before that law came into effect, my license did not have that special star on it. Therefore, according to the new law, I needed to have my birth certificate to prove that I was who I said I was. So I had to leave the courthouse. I had to go to the bank and retrieve my birth certificate from our safety deposit box, which we had just opened like the day before, and put all those documents in there, get it out, bring it to the driver's license station again, and show them, all because something had changed. Friends, God's word will never change on you. It will never be revised. It will never be revoked. If God's word says you belong to him, 
then you belong to him, and you will belong to him forever. If God's word says your sins are forgiven because you have repented of them and confessed them before the Lord and trusted that Christ died for them, then you are forgiven, and your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west, because that is what God's word says in Psalm 103. And it will never be changed. It is fixed in the heavens. If God's word says the way of salvation is having a living and active faith in the Lord Jesus because he died for our sins and was raised again on the third day, then that is the way of salvation, and it will not change. When we are studying the scriptures, one of the keys for us to interpreting the, the, the understanding of the, of the Bible is to pay special attention to the repeated words used in a, in a Bible passage. And, and, and when we do that, for these eight verses in this stanza, it's pretty clear what the most often repeated word is. It is the possessive pronoun, your. This portion of the psalm is really a prayer to God. And so the psalmist, in speaking to the Lord, refers to the scriptures repeatedly as your word, your faithfulness, your law, your precepts, your testimonies, your commandment. This is showing us that the main reason why the scriptures are so trustworthy is because it is his word. The word is so trustworthy and reliable because it is God's word and God is so trustworthy and reliable. It is his word. It belongs to him. It it comes from his heart, from his mouth, and therefore it is fixed forever in the heavens. It will stand for all generations. God's word is faithful because God is faithful. He would never lead his people astray. He would never go back on his word. We can trust what he says because God's word will never deceive us. He is holy. He is just. He is completely righteous. Therefore, we know that his word is just. His word is righteous. His word is completely trustworthy. In verse 94 there, the psalmist confesses to the Lord, I am yours. And then in verse 97, in the next stanza, the psalmist will declare, oh, how I love your law. In, in fact, the psalmist declares his love for the scriptures a total of eight times throughout Psalm 119, the last being verse 167, where he writes, my soul keeps your testimonies, I love them exceedingly. Oh, how I love your law. Friends, that sounds like a Christian. That sounds like the confession of a Christian. Not some, you know, super a spiritual believer that none of us could ever attain to. No, this is the word, this is the testimony of a believer. If we belong to God, if we love him, and have taken refuge under his mercy in the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ, then we will love his word. We will delight in his word. We will trust his word because it is his word. Do you love his word? Is this your testimony as well? As we look at the next stanza, verses 97 through 104, we'll see that God's word is full of heavenly wisdom to save us from what is false and deadly. Now, during my uh, 
freshman year in college, uh, actually it was the summer after my freshman year in college, uh, I went uh, camping along with a buddy of mine and his dad. We went to Crested Butte, Colorado, uh, right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains in the Gunnison National Forest. It is a beautiful area. And on, the, on the first day that we were there, uh, Brian and I, my, my buddy, were so excited to explore the area that, that, that we just told uh, Brian's dad, hey, we're going to go for a hike, and we just took off walking. We had never been to this area before. We, we, had, we had never, you know, even really hiked in the mountains before. Um, so we didn't follow a path. I mean, you know, what, where's the adventure in just walking on a hiking path that thousands of other people walked on before? No, no, we were blazing our own path. We were blazing our own path through, through the woods, uh, along creeks, uh, climbing up uh, rocks, uh, trying to, to, to climb up mountains in search of wildlife and beautiful views. And I still remember, after an hour or so uh, uh, of doing this, the feeling of the realization that hit me. We were, we were kind of uh, way up on the side of a mountain uh, looking at, at some, some wild bighorn sheep, which were way further up than we were, when I turned around and thought to myself, how are we going to find our way back to camp? And then another thought hit me. If we can't find our way back to camp, how will anyone know where to look for us? All we had told Brian's dad was, we're going to go for a hike. We didn't tell him which direction we, we, we were going. We didn't tell him anything about where we, where we would be, because we really didn't know where, where we were going to be. We were just going to go for a hike. So, so now what? Now, I didn't mention my fear to my friend. I mean, that would be embarrassing, right? I didn't do that. But thankfully, we, we eventually did find our, our way back after a few missteps and, you know, backtracking more than a few times. Um, I was pretty relieved to make it back, but for the rest of our time there, I made sure that I had a trail map and that we stayed on a trail whenever we went hiking. Now see, life in this sin-cursed world is full of misguided people who are lost and are too embarrassed or afraid to even admit it, like I was. Being lost in this world is far more dangerous than just being lost in the Rocky Mountains. There are, there, you know, the worst that can happen to you in the Rocky Mountains is dying. Here, the worst that can happen to you is being condemned by a holy God for your sin and being cast into hell forever to forever endure his wrath of eternal suffering and torment. Many don't even know that they're lost. So they keep moving on in the way that they're going, not realizing that all they're doing is just getting closer and closer to destruction and further and further away from help. And God knows our situation in this world. He knows we are lost. And so he has graciously given us his word to not only help us to, to, to know the way back to him, but maybe more, more importantly, to reveal to us our lost condition. No one can be saved unless he first knows that he is in need of salvation. No one will, will turn around from the way they're going unless they first realize that they are moving in the wrong direction and need to turn around. 
That is what God's word does for us. It is a revelation from God of all that we need to know in order to be saved from the destruction that our sin is leading us towards. And in this stanza, we see that God graciously reveals to us this heavenly wisdom in order for us to live life in the way that we ought to live it, so that we may live to please him and and to be saved from every false way. Just listen for the references to understanding that God's word provides us here and how our, our understanding of God's word will help us to recognize the false ways that we're often tempted to take. I'll read in from verse 97 there. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught, my, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Now, did you notice there the connection between meditating on God's word and thus receiving understanding? It's right there. You know, it implies that if we are to gain the understanding that God's word offers us, it will come to us through meditation. That means thinking through what God's word says. That's what meditation means here. Thinking through what God's word says. Studying it. Talking about it with others. Thinking on God's word is similar to, to, to chewing on a piece of gum. You know, no one uh, throws a piece of gum into their mouths and takes a couple of chews, you know, and then spits it right, right back out, unless you're three or four years old. Um, you know. Now, I, I, know, I know many of you Chew gum. I've seen you chew gum. Some of you have offered me the gum that you're, that, that you're chewing, not the same gum that you're chewing. A piece of, you, you understand. We like gum. I, I, I like gum. I chew gum. I'm a fan of the uh, cool mint uh, flavors in gum. And when we put a piece of gum in our mouths, we chew and chew and chew. We get as much flavor out of that piece of gum as we can until either the piece you know, completely runs out of its flavor or, as what probably happens more often, our mouths just get tired of chewing. When we read God's word, when we read his law, his commandments, his precepts, and his testimonies, we ought to chew on them. Chew on them. If you do, you will find, as verse 103 says, God's word tastes sweeter than honey. Chew on it. Get as much as you can out of his word. Ask questions. Talk to other believers about what you've been reading. The more you do, the more you'll see in God's word and the more you will know it and be helped by it. Then trusting what God says in his word, you will gain understanding which will help to keep you from all the ways which will lead you to your own destruction. And instead... God's word will lead you to Christ, who is your life. Finally, the last stanza here, verses 105 through 112, God's word is a guiding light that leads us to life. 
When you read through Psalm 119, you notice that the psalmist uses different words in order to describe the scriptures. We've talked about a few of those already. Uh, but two of the most common words in Psalm 119 and in our passage are the words for law and commandment. Law and commandment. These are descriptions of writings which bear some kind of authority. We've already seen in verses 89 through 96 that these laws and commandments are fixed in the heavens, that they endure, that they will stand for all time, and and that these laws and commandments must be authoritative over us because they belong to God. They are his law. They are his commandments. As the psalmist says, repeatedly praying to God, it is your law and your Commandments. There are a lot of words out there in our world. A lot of words. Our, word, our, our world is filled with words. Many of the words that are out there bear some kind of authority. The words of, of a father to his children bear some kind of authority over them. His children ought to listen and obey. The words that were written in the laws overseeing, you know, a Nebraska driver's license were words that I had to submit to, otherwise I would not have been issued a driver's license. That was made clear to me. They held authority over me. But there are no words that have greater authority over us than the scriptures, for they belong to God. They are God's words, who is mighty to save, who is the mighty creator over all things, who is the one who rules over all, the one who is sovereign over all things, who will one day judge the living and the dead. But God's laws, his commandments, do not lead us to death. They lead us to life. Psalm 119, 105, probably one of the most famous verses in this whole psalm. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, there are, dan- there are many dangers that, that only God's word will help us to see and avoid. We must know God's word well in order to be rightly guided through our lives. In, verses 10- in verse 107, it says, I am severely afflicted. Give me life according to your word. Friends, when we read God's word, I mean seriously read his word, one thing that you will be clearly shown in God's word is your spiritual condition. You'll see it all throughout the Bible. When you, when you hear about and read about people like Adam and Eve who quickly turned away from God in order to decide for themselves what is good and, and what is bad for them instead of trusting in God to reveal that to them. And that same tendency that they had is then passed down to everyone throughout the Bible story like to Jacob, who, who, who always you know, takes matters into his own hands rather than trusting in the Lord's promise to him. Or even David, King David, who, who turns away from God's law and instead lives like he is above God's law. And David takes what he wants whenever he wants it. Or, or then there are the kings of Judah and, and Israel, just one king after another who reject God's word and reign over their people as if they know what is best, when in reality it's pretty clear to all who are reading about them uh, in, in, in uh, the Bible 
read their stories, that they don't have a clue as to what they're doing. All these people that we meet in the scriptures are revealing to us what we are like. That's us. That's us. Examples of sinners who have turned away from God. So as we, as we read the scriptures, we see who we really are. We see the truth that God's word says, that there is no one good, not even one. There is no one who seeks God, not even one. All have turned aside, all have gone their own way. Which is a definition of sin. And therefore all will die in their sin and face condemnation. The lamp of God's word reveals that to us, reveals our sins. It shows us who we really are, and it helps us to then see our need for salvation if we would have eyes to see it. But that's not all it does. It also is a light to my path. If we read God's word, it will, it will lead us on the path to Jesus. It will reveal to us the light of the world whom God sent to save us. But the question is for us, Will we incline our hearts toward his word? Or will we continue to rebel against it? Will we admit that we need God's word to lead us, to give us understanding, that we must trust in his word as being reliable, as the only way to life? Or will we just continue to treat it as a message we can safely ignore and pay much more attention to the words and messages that we hear on our televisions? or our smartphones, or in our, our earbuds. Friends, I exhort you, turn your attention toward the scriptures. Listen to God's word. The creator of the universe, the sovereign one who reigns in heaven has spoken, and we have his words. Turn your attention here. If you believe all that it teaches, Obey all that it requires and trusted and trust in all that it promises, including the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word and we recognize the great privilege we have of being able to hear it, to read it, to take it with us. Oh, Lord, help us not to take it for granted. Lord, give us, give us the love, give us the desire to want to know more, to know more about you and to follow your word all the way to Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.